0: Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: Let's turn to uh, uh, John's gospel. We'll pick it up probably about verse 45 in chapter 11 this morning. We're going to cover a lot of ground scripture-wise, but I I think we'll move through it pretty quickly, so don't... uh, just stay with it. it it's it's going to move through pretty quick. But we've got some good ground that's worth covering, and that kind of goes in a grouping together. And uh, so we want to move through it as we start to think about back a little bit, just for a moment in review, what was happening in this situation. Jesus is in route. You know, he's, he's heading now uh, for Jerusalem. Uh, he's ultimately going to the cross. He's, he's not far from that point in time. One of the things that has transpired, though, is that the Jews are definitely in opposition to him. The, the religious leaders are opposing everything that's going on with Jesus, and that is the case with religion. Religion always opposes the person of Jesus Christ. That's not new. That's just the way it is, and here we see it over and over again. We, we experience that because religion always seeks to establish its own righteousness by means of one's own efforts, one's own works. So it becomes works, not of grace. And we know that it's really of grace and not of works, lest any man should boast, according to Ephesians, Paul's writings there. And we see throughout the scripture that that's evidence, that the salvation is a free gift from the Lord. Well, we also know that as Jesus lived out his life, one of the most powerful things that transpired was the resurrection itself. That he has power over sin and death. That he is victorious. And so... It wasn't so much just all about Lazarus and Lazarus being raised from the dead and this miraculous thing that transpired as Lazarus comes forth. Yeah, that was an awesome thing. It was great to see that happen through scripture and for them, they were all stoked. But it wasn't just really about that. It was really about the fact that Jesus was greater than any of these other things. That he was victorious, that he had power, that he is the great I am. And you know that Mary kind of, or Martha, kind of gave way in verse maybe 24. She understood theologically that Jesus was the resurrection. She understood that. And she kind of commented about, oh, I know in the last day, you know, we kind of can go that way. Oh, I know that, you know, one day I'll i get rid of this You know, lame body I'm stuck with, and just kind of carry on and into eternity. And that's all great. But there is a resurrection life that we can live today. Jesus is, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so that this I am and that he is the becoming one, the one that wants to meet each of our needs right where we're at today. That it's not so much that we need something looking to this idea of, oh yeah, I understand the concept of, or I, I need something to happen in my life. I need something to go on. more that Jesus says, we need someone, and it's him. That's what we need, is the person of Jesus Christ activated in our lives. Jesus is the resurrection. Not only did he resurrect, not only did he resurrect Lazarus, but he is the resurrection. He is the hope for you and for me. Many of the Jews who had come to Mary in verse 45 and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. They started to see him as as the Messiah also. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, "'What shall we do? "'For this man works many signs.'" People are starting to be drawn to this person of Jesus Christ. And that's significant to me. That should be significant to you and I as believers today in our world in which we live. That you and I have a witness that we can testify of who Jesus is today. What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this... Look at this, this is their council discussion. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. Oh my gosh, we can't have that. The religious can't have that, you see. The self-righteous, the pious, they can't have that. Those who are making merchandise of God's people, they can't have that. They can't have people really following after Jesus. How are we going to make our building payments if they just start following Jesus? How about they start following Jesus and don't worry about other stuff until Jesus takes care of it? That really should be the policy and priority, is to seek relationship with Jesus. Let everything else fall into place, because it will, if we're by faith, not only individually trusting in the Lord, but as a body of believers, as the church. If we just trust God, God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of our families. No one loves you, no one loves me more than the person of Jesus Christ, more than our heavenly Father who wants to give good gifts to those who ask. No one loves us more than God loves us. No one loves this creation. No one loves humanity more than God does. And God has displayed that through that gift of his son. No one could love more than Jesus loves, than God loves. Everyone who, who, who if we leave him alone, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and, and nation. What are they concerned about? They're concerned about themselves. Look at that word our right there, stuck right in there. They're concerned about our place. Well, how is this going to affect us? Now, you remember Annas, who is is not the high priest this year. Caiaphas is the high priest, and we're going to come across his name in just a minute. He's the high priest this year. Annas kind of gave that over because Annas didn't want— it was kind of starting to be a conflict for him to maintain being high priest because he was making so much money in the temple, trading out the sheep and the doves and all of the things, getting, making merchandise of people for their sacrifices and the different things. He was making just tons of money— and so it started becoming a bit of a conflict. So really, Caiaphas, who is his son-in-law, is now kind of in that role of high priest. And so, Annas is kind of pulling the strings a little bit in the backdrop, and they're all in cahoots together. That's not probably something you're going to find in the dictionary, that particular word, cahoots. But they're all, it's a good old boys club, how's that? We might identify with that a little bit better, but... Uh, If we let this go any further, if we let this carry on, if we let this go any further, man, people are going to be drawn to this dude, and they're going to start kind of following him, and they're going to, because Jesus sets people free from all of this that we do. People ask me, well, so you guys really just, you don't have membership, or, well, are you a born-again believer? yes. You've given your life to Jesus Christ? Yes. And you consider this church home? Yes. Well, then I guess you're a member of this particular body of believers. You know, the thing that happens is people push this idea of membership and you just don't find it in the Bible anywhere. You see, it creates a sense of obligation because of something that you've done on a piece of paper. You know, I believe there's a transaction that takes place in the realm of the spirit, in the eternal realm, that transaction that takes place between you and the Lord, and that takes precedence over everything else. If I have to hold you to a piece of paper to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you've bound yourself to this, you know, this agreement, man, what's that? It's supposed to be a bond of love that God puts in our hearts between us and the Lord that we are going to follow him with our whole hearts That's really what it is, and that we are subject to this as the authority in our lives, that we're going to be yielded to God's word, and we're going to follow God with our whole heart. I would rather yield to that and let God have his way with that. So one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest in verse 49 that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. A good scripture reference to go refer to once in a while that latter part of it. I like to go through that, highlighted it and underlined it and marked it all up because I always think, yeah, that's probably a good one for me to go to once in a while. You think you got something figured out? No, you know nothing at all. Fair enough. (laughs) Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. We got to get rid of him. And not that the whole nation should perish because they're following after him. Now, this is, he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. Not just the Jews, but all peoples. That he would die for all peoples and gather in. Now the church will be formed. So he's actually the high priest. Now This think about this. This high priest, Caiaphas, is a conniving dude. He is not a follower of God. He is all about himself. And he's all about I- exploiting the people and getting things for himself. That's what he's all about, Caiaphas. That's his game. That's his angle on everything. And it, Annas is his father-in-law, same thing. But it's interesting to me that Caiaphas speaks the truth in a situation. Why I say that interests me is because we saw with Balaam and Balak, you remember, that a donkey came and spoke to to him and kind of rebuked him, and the Lord was speaking through a donkey. We find that in Scripture. We also find God speaking through somebody who is really opposed to him, somebody in opposition. I say this because I think sometimes it's important for us to listen, just in general, to listen. Because God can speak to us in various circumstances, in various situations. God can speak to us if we'll keep our ears open and hear for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying just because somebody spoke it, that means that it's from God. I'm saying that if we're listening, we're going to find that there are things that get said sometimes. Sometimes you might get a good piece of counsel from someone who doesn't even walk with God. But it might bear truth up against the word. Kind of the cause and effect thing. The spiritual law of sowing and reaping that we touch base on. That someone might say to you, oh, be really careful because this has this certain outcome. And that, you know, that that may be very true. You might need to listen to that. So this idea of just listening for the Lord despite who the source is, but you've got to test the spirits, don't you? We have to weigh things out. We've got a responsibility as believers to balance things up against the word of God and to make sure it's consistent with that. Then, from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. They want to kill Jesus. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly, in verse 54, among the Jews, but went from there into a country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem, therefore the Passover, before the Passover, to purify themselves. Then... They sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Do you think he's not going to show up at the Passover, you guys? you think he's not going to come? This is a big deal. There's a couple million, over a couple million people that are starting to show up in Jerusalem. It's just teeming with people. And, they, and you can go through, and you look at Josephus's record. You can look at how many sheep were, were, gonna, were sacrificed, and you can go back through. And it roughly covered X number of people, and you end up with over 2 million. It's pretty amazing when you think about that, how many people were there in that area. And you think he won't show up? Now, both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given the command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. And this is all leading up to, now this point of time is leading up to the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. This is all that time period leading up to the Passion Week. The sixth day, in verse one of chapter 12, before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And you remember, that was just a recent thing we just went over. There, they made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed, him, uh, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why? was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor this he said not that he cared for the poor but because he was a thief and held and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it but jesus said let her alone she has kept this for the day of my burial for the poor you have with you always but me you do not always have. have. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. This little portion from verse one of chapter 12 through verse 11 is an interesting little chunk of scripture we're gonna kind of camp there just for a few minutes, kind of go over these things and talk about them a little bit and uh, then we'll wrap up our our service today but this idea that Jesus knows what he's, Jesus is not surprised by what's coming with the cross, right, We, we, we know that from going through the scriptures before, this is not some big surprise to the Lord. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is what does he choose to do or where does he choose to go? Who does he choose to go hang out with? Where does Jesus go? He goes and he hangs out with some of his friends. He goes to those who he wants to be with, the the, the family that he's been connected to. It's just a couple miles away from Jerusalem. It's not far. And so he's just gonna go there and hang out a little bit and spend a little bit of time with them. He knows what's coming. He knows he's going to face the cross. He knows what's coming, and he's just going to go hang out with them. Now, he's got the little bit of an entourage with him, right? He's got, you know, there's probably a good little herd of them that are traveling together. It's not a ton, probably 15, 17 of them total there that are coming over. Now, they're kind of descending on the house. Now, Have they maybe sent some word, possibly a little bit ahead, you know, that the the master's coming, you know, and and Jesus is going to be here. And, you know, they're probably all pretty excited about it. It's kind of interesting that you see kind of almost a microcosm of the church itself gathered together. So we'll just look at it A, B, C. How's that sound? We'll just go A, B, C. And and look at it that way and see what what do we see in just this little vignette of just a little portion of Scripture and how this interacts and how we can look at it for ourselves. We'll get some application out of this for ourselves. One, we see one person here and the differing of the gifts. It's no different than the body itself. The different personalities, the different people involved, the different gifting that's given out to the body of Christ itself. And there's just these three bigger, larger scale components that are kind of fit in. We find Martha here again. And what do we find Martha doing? Martha is no doubt a servant. She's a real worker. She's got stuff to do. She stays focused on the things, the little projects that she's got in front of her. She's certainly a servant, to say the least. To say the least. Very, very active. Will you flip back with me just to Luke chapter 10, just for a moment? Luke chapter 10. In verse 38, we kind of pick up this this. Story, they entered the village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who was also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, Jesus' response, he, said, he answered her and said in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. She's busy making all kinds of stuff, right? Putting a whole thing together. Busy gathering everything, making it right, making sure the dirt floor is vacuumed and stuff, and making sure, you know, just, you know, but you gather, you, you gals know what it's like when there's a little bit of a gathering at the house. You know, the bathroom needs to be spiffed out real quick. Even if it's a last minute notification, there's all the scurry to get things done. When my wife goes in to clean the bathroom, I just look at it, oh, man, it's just the boys coming over. You know what happens? You know, why clean it? See, it makes a lot more sense to me just clean it after they've been here. But it just doesn't go that way. It's just we gotta get in there and clean it up. And so he gets in there, spiffs out the house, and cleans things up. And and I understand, it's it's rightly so. I'm I'm you know, my presence is requested at these gatherings and to be a helper in this stuff. But it's interesting that Jesus said one thing. He didn't need to do all this other stuff. Hey, fine, we don't need a bunch of stuff to eat. We just need something to eat. It's not just just one thing. Don't don't get so caught up in all of these things. But her heart is to serve and she wants to, to have things right. Mary has chosen a good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary's, Mary's doing a good thing. I'm, I'm not gonna switch you out and, and for Mary's sitting at the feet, listening and, and gathering and just kind of worshiping the Lord. There I don't know that it's so much that that Martha's busted really by the Lord, as it's just kind of a, hey. That's who you are, Martha. You're concerned about those kind of things, and and that's okay. But don't overdo and miss the main things that the Lord's, that's so important. I think if we were to look at this account now before us from John's account, you're almost too busy. And that blessing that you can experience, that joy of service can kind of end up missing when we become obsessed with the service the service was being done unto the lord and left unto the lord when we do it that way there's a joy within it because we're just doing it unto the lord The end is that we might enjoy the Lord, that we might enjoy his presence, that there would be limited distraction, that there would be this opportunity to just have everybody feel welcomed and soak up the person of the Lord. But in her serving, she got too busy, and she's not really getting the idea of being blessed. And Jesus really just wants her to be with him, wants her to want that, This is the key when you have that kind of a a personality, that kind of a gifting that you want to serve that way. Remember that what the goal might be, that the goal needs to be wanting to be with him and that making things comfortable for those around who want to be with them, and that the service should be able to be done really with joy and not with complaining, Martha's real issue is that she becomes sidetracked with what Mary is or isn't doing. So what, Mary, what Martha is doing in her service isn't necessarily all bad. The serving, you know, there's a gift in the Bible, and one of the gifting is the gift of helps. And in the gift of helps is very focused on serving the Lord, wouldn't you say? The gift of helps is very focused that way. And so I think in seeing this, there's nothing that detracts from a heart to serve. But we need to know that it's done out of the overflow of his presence and that it is done out of joy in our hearts. That we're doing that not dutifully, but because we have joy in our heart to do it. Tuning in today and for listening to the radio program, for listening to God's word. And I know God has a perfect plan for your life. And it starts really by giving our hearts to the Lord. If you've not given your heart to the Lord, or you're just in a place where you're you, you have a sense that you're distant from God and you just want to open your life up to the Lord, you know the word says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that's full of grace and mercy, that he's willing to pardon all of our sin, to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. It's a simple prayer just to give your life to Jesus. Man, all things become new when we give our lives to the Lord. If you just pray this simple prayer along with me, Jesus, I want to open my heart up to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin, my unrighteousness, that you would pardon me. I thank you so much for that grace and mercy that you've shown me. Lord, thank you for the love that put you on the cross, that you did that willingly for me. And Lord, again, I I just open my heart to you. I receive you as my personal Lord and my Savior And I thank you for that free gift of everlasting life that you've given me. I ask all this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you can be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash KC. Also, Living Fountain's podcasts are available in the iTunes Store, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. The service times and directions can be found on CalvaryChapelKC.com. Or you can simply contact the church office at 913 681 1635. It's been great spending time with you in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.